0: Meet Tad. He just joined the local basketball league and he has a long way to go until the first game. Make that a super long way to go. Hey buddy, you look like you can use some help. And I don't think I'm ever gonna be good at this. Before you get in there and help your team out, you gotta get your personal skills on point. Here's some drills to help you out. Here, this is what I want you to do. Bend your knees. Bend your knees. Hip with the palm of your hand. Palm of your hand. Keep going. Keep going. There you go. There you go. Keep going. There you go. Bend the knees. Bend the knees. Lower. Lower. There you go. Yeah, I have no words for that. Anyway, uh, he doesn't realize that my knees are already really low to the ground, so I don't know why it's telling me to bend my knees. Hey, good morning, everyone. Glad that you're here this morning. My name's Todd. I'm the lead pastor here. Really glad that you're here. Thank you so much for being here, 1045, and I hope you enjoyed the scone this morning. Uh, Really a lot of newness, a lot of uh, new happening. Uh, I I don't know. Obviously, I'm not a basketball guy, right? Okay, so we prove that. Uh, But I did uh, did play uh, soccer in high school. And I played golf in high school. Some of you are like, that's not a sport. And you would be wrong about that. But I played golf and I played, uh, I played soccer in high school. And I don't know if you've ever had an experience like I had once when I was playing soccer. We were in high school. I'd, I'd had an injury, um, twisted my ankle and, and sprained it and did that a few times. It was my senior year. And uh, I was really struggling. I was playing left, uh, left fullback and the right forward was was much faster than, than I was. Now, truth be told, even with a great ankle, he was much faster than I was. But uh, he kept getting past me, and the same thing was happening on the other side of the field with my counterpart over there, the right fullback, and I remember at halftime, uh, we gathered around, the coach gave a little pep talk, hey, you guys are doing great, finding space, but it was two nothing, two two nothing, um, two nil, as they say everywhere else in the world, with soccer, which they actually call it football, everywhere else in the world, uh, not soccer, but uh, anyway, we were down two to nothing, and and so the coach is, you know, saying, hey, we got to work on these things, but, you know, I'm seeing good passing, if we just continue this, this, that, and the other, and he was giving Us and then he stopped and he said, There's just there's two weak links. And we knew it was coming, me and Jamie. And he points to me and he's like, We got one weak link here, and we got the other weak link over here. And I was like, Great, this is great. My senior year, and I'm going back out in the second half, and in my mind, I'm the weak link. It's great swing thought, great mindset, and I remember really being frustrated kind of the rest of the game, kind of stuck. Really kind of just, I just wasn't, it just wasn't happening that day. It wasn't like just happening. I was really stuck. Kind of felt like I was stalled out a a, a little bit. And I think whether it's sports or whether it's something that you've worked on, maybe it's an academic thing, we all have times where we're stuck in life, right? And, And I wonder if the Christian life is a little bit like that. If we get stuck sometimes, maybe stalled out. And you hear guys like me and you're here at church and you're you, you, you here on TV or maybe you hear on a podcast or something. You hear guys like me talking about the Christian life or we talk about our walk with God or we talk about devotional time. And, and very rarely do guys like myself ever really explain what that means. And today, as we begin this four-week series on Get in the Game, I, I want to talk about what it means to have a personal relationship with Jesus. Because here's the good news, and here's where we're gonna start. This is the premise of, of everything we're gonna talk about today, is that we have a God, listen to this, who wants and desires to spend time with us. That's awesome news. And I hear people talk about the problem with the church and the problem with Christianity and and I think they're often right when they say, well, just Christians just aren't passionate. Well, yeah, maybe that's true. Maybe that's the case. Christians just have like too many distractions. Yeah, I, I believe that that may be the case. Of the world is just there's just too much influence from the outside and so that's the problem with the church and i i think that all of those things are the problem but i wonder if we were just to stop wherever we are on in terms of our relationship with god whether we're you know it's really strong and we're and we're mature and secure in our relationship with the lord or whether this is new or whether you've been a christ follower for a long time and you've just gotten kind of stuck and stalled i, I wonder what would happen if Christians around the world and and Christians specifically in this church really, really knew what it means to have a personal relationship with God and to spend time with him and to get to know him. And today is just a foundational element before we dive into next week talking about what it means to have others and have this relationship with others in in your faith walk and what it means to serve inside the walls and outside the walls in this church, before we do any of that, I think we as Christians need to understand that the most important foundation that we build is us and God. Us and God. God. So today we're going to be in Ephesians 4. If you have your Bibles, you can turn to Ephesians 4. We'll be there really primarily today, um, just taking a look at this passage that Paul wrote to the church at Ephesus. Before we do that, I just want to um, highlight a couple things uh, here. You guys received these great new worship folders, and it looked nice. looks really nice. Really, uh, you know, a lot of information inside about the life of our church. Uh, I want to point out the connection card in here for those of you who have prayer requests, who want to make commitments today. We'll be using this um, each and every week, just like we've done before. It just looks a little bit different. And and the notes here, and the notes, this is, I love to take notes, and I like a lot of room. I, I don't know about you to take notes when, when I'm, I'm listening to what God is saying. And so we've given you plenty of notes. You'll see notes on the screens, but I want to encourage you also to be at Roots. Uh, Roots is something that we do during the school year. Uh, This is our, this will be our third year, uh, third year that we've been doing Roots and I want to encourage you to be a part of it. We take Sunday morning and we go deeper. So if something sparks in your mind and you're like, I want to discuss that, I want to talk about that, I want to find out more, Roots is a place on Wednesday night during the school year, right here in this room, where we sit down and have a discussion and just go a little bit deeper. And sometimes it's myself, sometimes it's other people involved in Roots, uh, Chris and a few others, and so I want to encourage you to be a part of Roots. And we also have this great binder that you guys, it's a $5 donation, it's in the back at our guest services. And uh, you guys can go back there and you can put your Roots guide and these notes in there and uh, really just be almost like a a journal. And so uh, I just wanted to mention a few of those things. Let's dive in and take a look at what Paul says here about growing in our faith walk. He is in Ephesians 4. He is describing to the church at Ephesus as he's writing this letter. He's describing um, right now the spiritual gifts. And it's a letter mainly of encouragement. It's a letter of, of support and to, to tell them to keep on doing some of the things that they're doing. And, and he dives into this discussion about spiritual gifts, which if you think about this for a moment, this is a deeper level, kind of, you know, more mature Christian uh, discussion that he, he gives us here in Ephesians chapter 4. Uh, but there, there is kind of what kind of seeps in a little bit or kind of what comes out of Ephesians is you do get the sense that even though he is applauding the Ephesians in one sense, he's also concerned about some of them. And I think he would probably, inspired by God's Holy Spirit, say the same thing to us today. And he kind of hits it, and it kind of just jumps off the page. And in this passage we're going to read is described the idea of spiritual growth. And so if you've ever wondered where that comes from in the Bible, this is one of the places it comes from. Let's check this out. Verse 11 of Ephesians chapter 4, as, uh, as Paul is describing what it means to be a more mature Christ follower. Verse 11, and he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and the, the teachers. Those are the, some of the different spiritual gifts that he's talking about here. And, and, and we're, we're not going to focus on that particular verse today, but I wanted you to see the lead up to it because he says to for what purpose in verse 12 he says to equip I want you to say that with me equip the saints for the work of the ministry for the building up the body of Christ and in that one little verse he explains the reason spiritual gifts are given they're not given for our own good they're given to build up the church And so he talks about that, to equip the church, to build up the church in verse uh, 12 there, to equip the church. And then in verse 13, he talks about when. He says, until we all, how many does he say? Does he say, till we few? What does he say? Until we what? Till we all. Till we all attain to the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood, we can insert womanhood there too, ladies, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. And what Paul is saying here is he's saying that we need to work on this, we need to be equipping and building the church until we all attain full spiritual maturity. When is that ever gonna happen? And essentially, I believe what Paul is doing is he's drawing the conclusion is that you and I as Christ followers, if we're Christ followers, if we're part of the church, that we need to be working on this all the time. Because the only time that we're going to all be fully mature in Christ is one day when we get to heaven. And Paul's essentially saying, just keep on doing this. Keep on working on it. Verse 14 he goes into a little bit more of the of the why he says so that we may no longer be children paul comes right out here and he says you guys are children what an encouraging word to the church at Ephesus and to us today. He calls us children. I mean, it's kind of like the weak link thing, right? I mean, he, de- he comes out and he says it. He says, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by, the cra- by craftiness and deceitful schemes. And then he gives the, the, the reverse of it. He gives the positive of it in verse 15. And here's where we're going to end. He says, uh, he says rather speaking the truth in love we are to what's the next two words grow up in every way into him who is the head into christ i mean if i'm reading this today i'm going paul just gave us a big collective slap on the wrist that we're all children but what he's trying to do is he's trying to encourage us to grow in our faith. That's where the concept of spiritual growth comes from. But it's not just one thing that he hit here. He revisits it all throughout his letters. He revisits it, revisits it to the church in Corinth when he, he essentially says, Hey, I'm giving you milk because you can't eat meat. He's talking about spiritual food. And he says you need to to move beyond that to be able to receive spiritual solid food. And so he, he keeps coming back to this theme of growing up. And so what in the world does it mean to grow in our relationship with God? Well, I believe it means developing the habits necessary to spend time with God, to have time with God. And I realize to have a genuine relationship with with Jesus, to have this growing relationship with God, when you think of that, when you think of this authentic, genuine relationship with God, habit doesn't exactly smack of genuine anything, does it? But I think our goal as Christ followers is to develop this into a habit so that it can be something that it just oozes out of us out of us. And it just rises up within us because the God of the universe wants to spend time with us today. What I want to do is give you three attitudes that um, we can have, that we need to have to develop spiritual maturity, to have this foundation of, as Gino said, personal skills in our relationship with the Lord. And, and really to, to that we're going to need to develop to be able to uh, not just develop that walk with God, but to grow in that maturity. And we'll talk about those three growing at, uh, growth attitudes, and then we're going to talk about three very specific practical things that you can do daily to grow with God. Listen, I want you to hear this. The, the command to grow up, when he says to grow up, it requires us um, to have spiritual skills. Um, but having spiritual skills and growing our, in our relationship with God means that we need to spend time with him. And the first attitude, the first heart attitude, mind attitude that I believe that we need to have to be able to develop a relationship with God is first and foremost desire. Just desire. A genuine desire to get to know God. You know, the the question I want to ask you this morning um, is, do you desire to know God? do you desire to know God? Because that's the starting point. That's the first thing that we have to have is an inner desire to actually know the God of the universe. And when I ask that question, do you desire to know God? Uh, The tendency I realize is for you to kind of quickly, maybe without any thought, go, well, yeah, of course I do. Or, Or maybe skeptically just say, no, 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 I don't want any part of that. But I want you to stop for a second and realize what that question means. That question means that the God of creation, the God who has done everything around us, who has put everything into motion, wants and desires you. And Jesus said, I stand at the door and knock. Like he's waiting for you to open the door to let him in. That's the heaviness and the importance who God is, and his love for us. As he wants to spend time with us, the question is, is do we want to spend time with him? And listen, don't, you know, don't feel bad if you're like, if I honestly answer that question right now, it's a, maybe a little bit of yes and a little bit of no. It's kind of a recipe of all of it because I've been hurt by the church, or I've been hurt by Christians, or you know, there's, there's this kind of PTSD thing that happens when I like talk about God in the Bible. I, I get that, and I understand that. But I want you to hear something. Maybe you've done something in your past that you feel like God doesn't want to, to be with you. Listen, I want you to hear this. God is not mad at you. He's not frustrated with you. He can heal any wound that you may have. He can help you through any problem you may have. But to be able to grow in your journey with him and in your walk with him, it takes an attitude of desiring to spend time with him. Back in the 15th and 16th century, the church was dealing with, like, what are we doing? What's our purpose? The church in Scotland and the church in England came up with this creed, this kind of... Statement. It wasn't just a statement. It was like a whole list of statements, a litany of statements called the Westminster Confession, Westminster Confession of Faith. And in it, the very first one right out of the gates essentially says that, that our, we are made to glorify God and to love him forever. And I want you to think about this, that the one person, the one being who you absolutely, if you're a Christian here, will spend eternity with, that you know beyond a shadow of a doubt that you're going to be with for eternity wants to have a relationship with you. So why shouldn't we have the strong desire to spend time with him? The first thing that we've got to do to have a growing relationship with God is to ask him, maybe if we've lost that desire, to have that desire back. Look, it doesn't matter where you are. You could have been a Christian for decades And know everything about the Bible that there is to know. And you can still lose the desire to spend time with God. And all he's waiting for you to do is to open the door and to let him back in. The second attitude is the attitude of ownership. A willingness to fully own your journey with God. You know what is common about our, one of the common things about our our modern age is we, when we don't want to do something, we outsource it, don't we? If you don't want to do a job, you outsource it, right? I mean, I I wasn't here a lot in July, but I heard there was a lot of rain in July, and my house needs a good pressure washing, Uh, and that means getting up on the roof, but I'm not going to do that because my wife has said that I shouldn't be up on the roof. And so anyway, so we need a good pressure washing in our house. Now, I have done it a few times, and a few times that didn't end up good. But I know that I need to go out, and I need to hire someone to outsource, to to get someone else to do that job because, A, I don't want to do it. B, my wife would like me around a few more years, and, you know, I I really enjoy my life. So I think it's a good idea to hire a company to outsource the pressure washing of my roof and, and everything around my house. And we can outsource things like that. We can outsource a lot of things in our life, but listen, Christ follower, I want you to hear this. You cannot outsource your walk with God. You can't outsource your your journey with the Savior. You can't give that up to someone else. You've got to have the desire to do it, but you also have to own it. And it is so easy in our modern-day Christianity to put that on cruise control, to put in a podcast. I just said put in a podcast. You don't put in a podcast. You put in a tape cassette, which nobody understands anymore. But anyway, press play in a podcast and just take it all in and just put it on cruise control and just let it happen. Maybe put it on a Worship song, which is great, and that's part, maybe part of our walk with God. But listen, I, I want to tell you that we, if we are serious about our walk with God, we have to own it. We have to own it. We can't outsource it. In verse 15, Paul doesn't say, rather speaking the truth in love, we are to call someone and have them do our devotional time with us with God. It doesn't say that. Rather than this, speak the truth in love and and you are to grow up by just coming to church and doing nothing else. It doesn't say that you are to go out and buy all the books in the world and rely on them alone and and listen to all the self-help stuff and and rely on that alone. It says, you, implied, are to grow up. And look, lest you think that I'm not talking to myself, I am. Because I think all of our tendencies is to try to outsource our walk with God. And if we were really honest with ourselves and looked at our calendar and looked at our priorities, are we really being serious about spending time alone with the Lord? I realize this is dangerous territory, but I want to ask you, what is your primary primary source of spiritual nourishment? Because everything I just mentioned is good, right? All of those things are good, but listen, when you rely on anything outside of your own personal time with the Lord for your own spiritual nourishment, you will be disappointed, I promise you. You will be disappointed and frustrated, and that includes me. You know, I believe that life change begins in this house, in this room. But lasting change happens with you and the Lord in your closet. Cynthia and I have some friends He's a mentor of mine, Tim Elmore, great man of God. He and his wife, when they moved to Atlanta, they built their house. And inside their closets, each of them had a closet. That's what you do when you live in Atlanta. And each closet in their homes had another closet in it. It's kind of like the Lion, the Witch, in the Wardrobe, right? And so like, they built those specifically so that each of them could have time with God every day by themselves with nothing distractions. And I get it. You're like me. You're like, I can't build a closet inside my closet in my house, Todd. That can't happen. But you know what? I love the picture of the importance of owning it. I love the picture that they knew that it was up to them and not anyone else to have personal time with God. Yes, we're going to talk about what it means to develop Christian fellowship and to have others and how that helps in this journey, but it starts, listen, it starts with you and with God alone by yourself. And I want to encourage you to own your own spiritual walk. The third attitude is commitment, a relentless commitment to spending a portion of each day with God. How many of you have a planner, electronic or written? Raise your hand this morning. Oh, please be truthful in church this morning. How many of you have some kind of planner you use? All right, we plan our lives, don't we? We plan every part of our lives. We plan our retirement. Some of you are like, I missed that one. Uh, so it, we plan like college, like students, like you, you, you practice for the test, you, you, you get ready, you know, you prepare for college. Hopefully, your parents are too. Um, and, and so like we plan for that. Like we are ravenous planners. We're, we're serious about planning. But so often, I'm guilty of this too, we don't plan our time with the Lord. We, we just let it happen. And I'm here to tell you that like, we won't be able to develop those personal spiritual tools for growing in our faith walk and growing in our personal relationship with God if we don't make it a priority. The reason that we all plan all of those things in our lives is because it's a priority. Why not make God a priority today. We plan for all of it. Why not plan the most important thing, and that's God. And so this attitude of desire, this attitude of ownership, this attitude of commitment, and by the way, man, I'm going to encourage you here in, in a few minutes. Um, to, to, to try this out over the next few weeks. And I want to encourage you, if this is new or if you're restarting or if you're, you're walking away today going, man, I, I needed some, some energy into this because I've really lost it. I want to encourage you, if you miss a day, don't go all guilty. Man, don't, don't feel shamed. Just jump back on and meet with God the next day. Just jump right back into things. Okay, three things that I think are important um, in terms of time with God. And a lot of these things come from a book, and I'm going to put this on social media. I'll let you know about it. It's uh, Richard Foster's Celebration of Discipline. I've mentioned it before, an amazing, amazing book. But these three things, I think if you don't do anything else, if you can carve out 15 minutes of your day, I want to encourage you to do these three things. Number one is get quiet. In a 15-minute time span, spend two minutes in quiet, restful solitude. For some of you, this is going to be the hardest two minutes of your day. Moms with babies. Dads, you men who are working. And the phone is always going off. And there's always something, someone who wants something. Students, your, your days are packed. Sometimes just getting quiet Quiet is the, most, is the most difficult part of meeting with God. But listen, if we go into meeting with God with all the noise that's around us, we cannot hear from him. So I want to encourage you to just spend a few minutes being quiet. Ask God to settle your body, to settle your mind, to settle your spirit, to prepare to receive something from him. The second thing is, is read read his word read a devotional spend eight minutes reading studying and meditating on the word of god there's so many helps i'm going to talk about you Virgin, in a minute but there's so many other helps there are so many different things you can do for years and years and i still go to this uh, oswald chambers my utmost for his highest and again i'll link i'll link all you guys to this all on social media um it's one of the best resources streams in the desert Excellent resources to point us to God. I, I'm, so many of you have talked to me about doing a year-long reading plan, reading through either a portion of the Bible or all of the Bible in a year. Those are great tools to be able to read and to spend time studying and reading and meditating in God's Word. And then the last one is pray. And I know I've way oversimplified this. If you want more of this, come to Roots uh, this Wednesday night. We'll talk about this in, more, but, uh, in a little more detail. But spend at least five minutes just in conversation with God, you've gotten quiet, you spent time in his word, and now just talk to him. Tell him what you're feeling. Tell him what you're going through. Tell him what your concerns are. He wants to hear from you, and so spend five minutes of that time with him. If you're stuck, just talk to him like you would a friend, like that friend is right there, because guess what? He is. He is. He is. He's right there waiting to listen now here's what i want to do i want to challenge our church those of you who are part of hilton head island community church those of you who who, may have just found yourself here today because you heard that we had scones that's great Uh, so if you're here today i want to challenge you to start this journey or maybe restart it or maybe you need some energy injected into what you're already doing and you want some accountability and that sort of thing um, I'm not going to make you sign any. There's not commitment card time or whatever. There's no blanks or check marks to fill out. Like, we're just going to do this and, and just see what the Holy Spirit does. I want to challenge you to take this 1521 challenge. It's a commitment to spend time with God for at least 15 minutes every day over the next 21 days. And I want to caution those of you who are right now, because I know there's probably a few of you who are thinking, I already, I already do this. I already do this. I'm, again, speaking to the choir here, because I think sometimes those of us who have been Christ followers for a long time are like, this is simple stuff. I've got this down. Caution. Caution. Maybe God's got something for you, too, in this. Maybe there's something that he wants you to learn. I know there are still things that he wants me to learn for sure. And so I'm going to take this 15, 21-day challenge. And I want to encourage you to do this along, along with me. You're going to see this blasted on social media. It's going to be in the e-blast. Um, is that tomorrow, if we start, there's a reading plan. It's a 21-day reading plan on YouVersion. It's called 21 Days of Prayer. and It's fantastic. It's developed by a church. They've done a great job. And so I want to encourage all of us to join in. Let's start this tomorrow. We don't know what tomorrow holds yet. There's a hurricane out there, all right? By the way, God's in charge, right? He's in control. We've seen it before, right? He is in control, and we're going to trust him on that. But I want to encourage you to take this 1521 challenge and commit to spending 15 minutes a day for the next 21 days and imagine for a second what God can do. If we all joined in this as a church, it'd be incredible. I mean, for you personally, like for some of you would be developing a new healthy habit, how can that be bad? For some of you it might be that God reveals something in your life some kind of sin or maybe lifestyle or something you've been hanging on to that's been a spiritual lid and you receive freedom from that. Maybe for some of you there's an addiction that over the next 21 days you're you're going to break. Man, that's not bad. Is it? Can you imagine? Maybe it means that a relationship that you've been struggling with is healed. Maybe it means that for our community, we are more prepared to go out and to share with our community and the world this great message that we have. Maybe it means that we're going to be more unified around a central theme. I think God could do amazing things in and through Hilton Head Island Community Church if we all take this challenge. It'd be incredible to see what he can do in and through us. And at the end of it, we can look back, we can have expected great things from him, and we can realize who we are in Christ. Who we are as sons and daughters and children of the God of creation. Those aren't bad things, are they? And I wanted you to know today that before we dive into serving and before we dive into figuring out what it means to have fellowship with each other, the most important relationship that we can have in our lives, even more important than our kids, parents, even more important than our spouses, even more important for those of you who are single, that person that you are interested in and you wish would ask you out on a date. All right, I get it. Like, even more important than that is this personal, quiet, one-on-one relationship with God himself. Let's take this challenge as a church together, myself included, to search him out, to seek him out, and to spend time with him alone. Father God, I thank you so much that you're a God who loves us enough that you desire to want to be with us. God, you don't need us. You don't need anything that we offer, but you want us. You desire to have a relationship with us, even with the stuff that we've done, even with the the, the, uh, thoughts that we have had, even with the rejection that we have had towards you and towards the things of you. God, even in our rebellion, even in our sinful self, even in our addictions and our struggles and our faults and our failures, you loved us so much that you desired a relationship with us personally. God, I thank you that that makes us unique. That's a mark as a Christ follower that's different than any other faith, any other plan, any other way out there. And God, I thank you so much that you're a God who desires to be close to us. And God, I pray that it begins right here with me. I pray that it extends to our elders and our staff, our leadership team. I pray that it extends out to our group leaders, to our volunteers in kids' ministry and in student ministry and all of our volunteers, God. And I pray that it extends out in our church. And God, I pray that we would take up this challenge and that over these next 21 days that you would do incredible things in the lives of the people who are here, who are gathered, who call themselves your children. God, right now, I pray for those who walked in here. Father, I pray for those who walked in here and they don't know you. They're far from you. Maybe they've never put their faith in you. If you're here today and and you're kind of like, man, all of this stuff that you talked about, Todd, I don't even know where to, I don't know where the beginning line is, where the starting line is. And just in this prayerful moment with every head bowed and every eye closed, I want to give you the opportunity to accept Jesus as your Savior if you've never done that before. To make sure beyond a shadow of a doubt know where you're going if you were to die the bible says that god sent his son jesus to die on the cross and that his shed, shed blood on the cross gives us freedom from sin and that his victory over death his resurrection three days later gives us eternal life and i, I just want to give you the opportunity right now wherever you are in your personal story and journey to walk in that freedom, to accept that, to receive his salvation. And right now, I'm going to pray a prayer out loud. I just want to encourage you to pray it quietly, just you and God. It goes something like this. God, thank you for for loving me enough to send your son, Jesus. And right now, I confess that I'm a sinner. And right now, I receive you to be my Savior. I put my trust in you for eternity. If you prayed that prayer or something similar to it along with me, just with everybody's head bowed and eyes closed, just would you raise your hand? I won't call you up or embarrass you. I just want to pray for you. Awesome. 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 Anyone else? I want to encourage you, those of you who put your hands up, or maybe if you didn't, but you prayed a prayer like that with me to make sure that you fill out that card and let us know about your new journey with Jesus. Father, I thank you for those who had their hands raised. God, for those who may not have, God, I thank you so much for the opportunity that you gave us to enter into eternity because of your sacrifice on the cross. Thank you so much for that. But thank you also that we can have a personal relationship with you. We can understand who we are in you. We can understand what it means to be your children. And God, I pray that each and every day we would wake up and that we would realize that and that we would spend time with you. God, that it would be meaningful and genuine and pure. God, I pray that you do amazing things because of so many people in the life of Hilton Head Island Community Church taking up this challenge to spend at least 15 minutes over the next 21 days, and we look to you, and we expect you to do great things in this place, and we will give you the glory, and we will make sure that we give you the credit. In Jesus' name, I pray, and all God's people said,